Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Table Manners. I'm Jessie Ware and I am at Lenny's. And she's got her Lenny apron on. Just in case I forget who I am. <laughs> <laughs> or you do. How are you, Mum? I'm okay. I had a very nice day yesterday. I had one of the first goodbye meals to Dr. Alex because I'm he's going away. So went to our favourite again, Honey and Co. for lunch. Delicious. Now we also yeah went out for a dinner date with a past guest, Mr. <gasps> Phil Rosenthal. Invited us out with Monica and Lily, his wife and daughter, to take us to Thomas's new restaurant. Um, who is Brat? Um, there's a new restaurant. Called Mountain. Called Mountain. It is so good. And we got completely spoiled. We had everything, I think, on the menu. It was absolutely amazing. Anybody who's in Soho, go to Mountain. It's brilliant. They make their own bread. They've got a massive old Gosney pizza oven in the bottom. And it's just a really great vibe. I loved what? That red vermouth. The red vermouth from (gasps) Sicily. Oh, my God, it was so delicious. Maybe we should start serving our guests vermouth. I think we should. There's a vermouth bar in Nunhead, actually, very near me, um, that's very cool. Maybe we should go for a little uh, aperitif Mm. before we pick the kids up from school, Mum. Anyway, it was great fun. Monica is my spirit animal, I think, literally. Mm. Monica Rosenthal. Yeah. We finished our vermouth at the same time, looked at each other and said, wine? She said, yeah, wine. I also love the fact that, forget Lenny's in the uh, restaurant, people on Soho were stopping Outside Phil, the window. waving like he was a beetle. Yeah, he's such a sweet man. The nicest man. Um, and it was just really sweet that, you know, look, we've made some friends on this podcast, but he actually got in touch and was yeah. like, can we take you out for dinner? And I do need to discuss the second series of The Bear with him because I was only halfway through and now I'm right the way through. And I think it's the best thing that I've seen on TV so brilliant. for 100 years. Also, past guest Rami Youssef did the Copenhagen episode. Yeah. Uh, love you, Rami. Anyway, today we have a wonderful chef. Well, you've tasted her food and I haven't it's yet. It's the best. It's one of my favourite restaurants. I went to it when I did Jay Rayner's podcast, Out for Lunch. And he introduced me to her restaurant, which is in Marylebone. It's called Giacconi really cozy it's a real neighborhood spot I mean I don't know anybody that lives in Marylebone I, I wish I did um, I wish I'd lived there I think I'd like to live there so Ravinda is from she was born in Kenya to Indian parents and Jaconi is a fantastic restaurant that she runs with her husband um, she's made cookbooks in lockdown she did this comfort and joy I think it was vegan um, these deliveries and I've never had meals like it it was so exciting she's here to talk about her third book comfort and joy irresistible pleasures from a vegetarian kitchen oh it's vegetarian mum i know does she only cook veggie food? no not at all um she's a regular on saturday kitchen sunday brunch she is an amazing chef and uh, the she's actually more glamorous than you mum Mm. I potentially, she always comes in some fabulously colourful dress and a lip. I'll keep my yellow penny on then. Yeah, maybe keep the yellow penny on. So what are we cooking? Well, actually, we've kind of asked She's her. bringing some starters, some dips, some bread. We'll let her introduce that. And then I've made, at your request, scallops with pea puree with cumin. I think cumin. It, it, I think it's cumin, but I cumin. Think it really makes me upset when you say cumin. How do you say it? Cumin. cumin. Okay. Now we know Alice. So I've made a pea and cumin puree. Thank you. Hope it's all right. You did this for Kat Dealey and I remember it was so delish. I think I've done it for someone else as well, scallops. Carol Vorderman. Oh, Oh, yeah. I didn't do the pea puree though. Did I? 
No, I don't think I did. I think you did. Okay. Sorry, this is my fault because I really enjoy it. And then she's making a strawberry faluda cake. Which, um, which Tully thought was sweet Tully flood cake. Thought it was a strawberry flood cake, which I also thought sounded quite fab. We've just looked in the cookbook. Flooded with strawberries. The faluda cake, it's got condensed milk, cream, strawberries, this sounds basil like seeds. an Asian delight. Oh, it sounds heaven. Ravinda Bogle, cooming up <laughs> on Cable Manners. Ravinda, how nice to have you over. It's so nice to be here. And look, we've nearly all got the same coloured nail varnish. I did for, not even worn her, I prepared mum that you would come in looking glamorous. Oh, you are. I had to make an effort. I mean, look at you both. You oh look amazing. Oh my God, please, are you kidding me? Excuse me. me. Um, but the dress is very good. Thank you. It is Alamy, and I am obsessed. They're an Australian designer, and all my dresses seem to come from them I just love them was it an Instagram like sponsored post or did you do a book it, tour in, in Australia or how did you find no, out about it wasn't I found them in Selfridges there was a dress and they do collaborations with artists and there's this incredible dress in fact it's in the book and it's pink with like an evil eye on the cuff and horses Ooh. and I was just like it's all over the book you'll see do you it. always wear dresses I'm a dress girl definitely ever wear trousers Sometimes, occasionally, but you know what? I just like a dress because it's like you don't have to style too much. It's just done. You're done in one you look step. Gorgeous. Thank you. So, I mean, we always love it when we have a chef on because they cook, <laughs> and you have come in with a, a lot God. of a lot of Tupperware. Can you just tell us what you have brought to the table today? Well, I cooked from the book, so we're going to comfort have... Comfort and joy. Comfort and joy. So there's shirmal, which is this beautiful saffron, like almost like brioche loaf that comes from Armenia. Mm. And it's really, in honestly, the house smelled so lovely this morning, just smelled of saffron. I've made a strawberry faluda cake for pudding. And then I've got some peaches with whipped tofu and Thai basil granulata that everyone at the restaurant's going mad about. Did you do something similar on Sunday brunch? I we, did. Was that the... That's the one. Oh my God, I was going to talk about that. That was so... Mum, it's so good. And no mm. one can believe it's vegan it's because so the whipped good. tofu seems like cheese almost. It's really rich and delicious. And then I bought some pickles because we just got these beautiful vegetables from the farm that we work with. It's a wonderful biodynamic farm. So we pickled yesterday. So I thought I'd bring you some of those. And I've made a dip to go with the bread, which which is uh, the burnt courgette and uh, cardamom dip. Thank you. My pleasure. And mum's going to add some scallops in there and we're, we're not going to need to eat dinner. Amazing. Let's talk about Giacconi because that's how I first met you when I did Jay Rayner's podcast. Yes. And he took me to one of his favourite restaurants in London. Oh. And you came out and you were glamorous and gorgeous and I had the best scotch egg of my life. <laughs> is it still on the menu? It is. It's never coming off. I mean, that is a signature and people come for that that and the banana cake people go nuts it's over ju- it's such a cozy wonderful restaurant and it's exciting food that's what you make you make really exciting food but there's like this homely atmosphere that's around it and you I don't necessarily think people expect that to be in central London do you know what I mean it feels yeah. like a living room but it's such know, exquisite food it's the team my team I think I've got the best team in London they're just wonderful we've we're 23 people now and out of them maybe about 12 or 13 of us have worked together for five years plus wow. and so it really is like a little family and they're so they're such ambassadors for all our kind of values at Giacconi and hospitality is at the heart of it it's like how do you make someone feel what do you give of yourself that doesn't appear on the check at the end of it that makes people feel amazing and that's what they do and I love them but how did you start out as a cook did you go to university yes I did what did you study I had a really unorthodox uh, route into chefing so I was born in Nairobi in Kenya to a very traditional Punjabi family and when I'm, had they moved there? My grandfather moved in the 1940s to okay. Kenya. He was an amazing man. We lived in this big extended family and my mother had this very Victorian idea that her girls must learn to join some sort of domestic cult, cook, so all the rest of it. 
And I remember being How five, many girls were there? four, and I'm the youngest girl. Okay. So my elder sister is 16 years older than me. So they all got married very young, like 1920, they were done. They were like, you know, married. And then I was the younger one. And then we moved to this country and, you know, obviously education and a different environment in life. And I was the first girl to be allowed to go to university. So that's um, interesting. Yeah. So although my father was a very educated man, he was quite a chauvinist when it came to girls. He likened educating his daughters to planting a seed in, in your neighbor's garden. Like you'll never get the return. And so I was this rebel and I was just like, I'd seen marriages happen, you know, early and, and what that does and the kind of potential that gets snuffed out. And I went and I studied and I, my dad finally, you know, agreed. And then he said, you're either going to do law, accountancy or pharmacy, none of which interested me. But then I'd watched a bit of Ali McBeal. So I was like, OK, that might be good. Law. So I studied a, up with Harrison Ford. Yeah, I studied a year of law and was basically a nuisance because I wasn't interested and then secretly changed my course to English and didn't tell anyone until I graduated. I know. And well, I which, said, where, were, where were you at university? At North London University, North London. which is metropolitan now. But, you know, I had no sort of mentors or someone who'd gone before. I went there because I fancied a boy who was going there. I literally followed him there. And that didn't last. I came out, my dad was like, why did you do an English degree? You speak very good English already. He just didn't get it. And then I started working in journalism and went into fashion and beauty journalism and then the whole food thing happened. But so everyone says that running a restaurant is possibly one of the most stressful jobs in the world. The first two years were hell. Like I still have PTSD for the first two years because I was there all hours. You're opening, you're closing. I didn't have a holiday for the first six months, like not even a day off. It was just intense. What did dad think of that? My dad passed away before the restaurant happened. I know, it's so sad. But you know what? There is something lovely. I cry when I talk about this. And actually, everyone cries when I talk about this. But my dad, after not believing in me for so many years and being like, you know, girls, they just should get married. And that's what his plan was for me. And we had all these arguments about, you know, he'd want to introduce me to this boy and that boy. And I slammed doors. And like, we just didn't speak the same language. And then... And then when he got cancer, it was like he suddenly reevaluated life. And I got the biggest blessing of my life, which was to have two years to become very close to him and really sort all our issues out. And I remember when he was dying and he was in the hospital and he'd say to me things like, you know, you're not my daughter, you have been like a son to me. And that for him was like a massive compliment. And I, I took it as that. At that point, I just started doing food television and started cooking. And for a man who was an immigrant, bricks and mortar, he was a businessman, bricks and mortar made sense to him. And I remember him saying to me, you need to open a restaurant. I'll give you, he had this site in Erith in Kent. And he was like, I'll give that to you. And it was this like pokey little cafe. And I was like, no, I don't want to open a restaurant. It's not what I'm interested in. And then I had the opportunity to do a pop-up and he would call me because at that time his brain was poisoned so he was very confused all the time and he'd call me sometimes four or five times a day being like how was that pop-up that you were doing how did it go did you enjoy it and the night that I did the pop-up was the night I remember finishing it like two in the morning cleaning the kitchen down and I was like I can't wait to tell my dad tomorrow like what what how how it went and that morning at four in the morning I got a call from my mom saying you better come to the hospital and he was in for eight weeks and I never got to show him what I've done and I I do think that he's pushed me on from beyond the grave and you know I think Jaconi was his dream for me really. what does Jaconi mean it means kitchen in Swahili oh, I didn't even know did yeah. you know that no yeah he knows it's all happening. I and know. How well you're and do you know what? I always say to my husband, Nadim, I'm like, God, you know, maybe it's good he's dead because he'd be drinking me out of my whiskey. He'd be at the restaurant with his friends, with his cronies, just, yeah, yeah he, he would have loved it. And I, and I, he must be experiencing it on some level, I'm sure. I'm sorry, though. That's heartbreaking. It is. It is. But you know what? It's been incredible. And I think 
both my father and my grandfather really are the soul and spirit of Giacconi, especially my grandfather. And I've written a lot. Actually, the book is very much a love letter to him. And it's the story of this man who, like, left India, you know, in the 1940s, this voyage into the dark, you know, a rebel who, I get that from him, who ran away from home looking for better opportunities, got on a ship sailing to Kenya, sailed 26 days, a migrant boat, terrible conditions, ended up back in Bombay because something had gone horribly wrong. And, you know, I can't imagine what they would have experienced. And yet a month later, he made that voyage again and then ended up in Kenya. And even though then, you know, it was a British colony, there were racial divides, language barriers. He didn't know anyone. He had no money. He fell in love with the soil because the soil was so rich and benevolent and it gave and it gave and it gave. And for someone who had the deep wounds of scarcity and hunger, this was a miracle for him and he used to say very early on he said to me we all have to do seva seva is the sikh ideology of community service and he said the easiest way to do community service is simply by feeding people and the second thing he would always say is that we look for miracles and yet here is a miracle and he'd you know pick up an onion or a courgette and he'd say look at this this has withstood pests blight bad weather yet it comes to our kitchen we can cook with it we can share what we cook and that is a miracle and i really started thinking about that a lot during the pandemic and we did comfort and joy the delivery boxes which was so delicious yeah i remember it you was, it, had honestly some. yeah my, and sam still talks about it as his best it wasn't even a t- it was more than a taste it was like the greatest tastes in our mouth at a very lonely oh. time it was so comforting. It yeah. was so delicious. It's exciting that a book has been born out of that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So I thought I'd write it all down. It was, honestly, it was, yeah, well, you're going to eat some of it today, Mum. So any of your recipes, are they old recipes that you some used to Some of them. There's a, definitely, like, in fact, there's a mm. recipe in the book that is um, like a turnip polenta. And turnips are such an unsexy, plain Jane vegetable, but there are delicious ways of making it. So what we do is we cut them up, put a tiny bit of water with some turmeric, and you just kind of let them cook either in a pressure cooker or you steam them or whatever. And when they've gone really soft because they've got a lot of water, you mash them up. And then in a separate pan, you just kind of do onions with some spices, some ginger garlic chili and tomatoes and then really like make a thick paste and then you pop that into the turnips mash it through and then you start adding handfuls of polenta so it becomes this wonderful kind of beautiful and turnips are so sweet as well and you put in a tiny bit of sugar just to encourage that kind of because they've got bitter but then they've got sweet you encourage that out and that recipe is what my mother's mother used to make and My mother's mother died when my mother was two. She's never even seen a photograph of her. So that recipe is like touching live flesh. It's like a part of her, which is pretty incredible. You tell stories so beautifully. And I'd love you to paint more pictures around that family table. You know, what is a memorable dish from your childhood? Was there one dish that either, I don't know, your grandma, your grandfather, your mum was making that... Or your dad? Never my dad. Okay, fine. <laughs> but I think one of the things that really takes me back to a very happy, wholesome time in my life was ice cream. So it was my Sunday treat with my grandfather, who is diabetic and not supposed to be eating sugar <laughs> at all. And he would pull up in his kind of VW Beetle and it was bright green, like lilt green, like, you know, really like parrot green with a soft top. And we would drive into the city, Nairobi, and there was a place called Snow Cream. And it was this amazing temple to 50s Americana kitsch. And it was like you had a counter uh, with like stools that you could spin around and around on until an adult told you off and made you stop. Mm. And the ice cream there was just like Sundays. And and I always had the same thing because I'm a creature of habit. I'm like always scared if I don't order what I like. Like I might not like what comes. food envy. Yeah. Yeah, So I always used to have a chocolate dip cone. And my grandfather always had like a banana split or something. 
but I would eyeball everybody else's and they were, you know, things that looked like they had shaving foam on them or like, you know. So it was vanilla ice cream in a cone. In a cone. And then and they dipped, dipped it in, it in ch- chocolate, chocolate. And it, 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 it got, got hard. crispy oh, on the outside. Yeah. Oh my God. Amazing. And you know what? In 2019, I went back there with my husband. I was like, I have to go to Snow Cream. And the place is there. It's exactly the same. Nothing has See, changed. Jessie, this is why we need to go to Kenya. You do. Yeah. There's so many good well, things in Kenya. Go. Did did it taste exactly how it tasted when you were younger? Not at all. It ta- I mean, it was disappointing because, oh. like you know. Yeah. But also, it was the same. But it was looking older and wearier. A bit, I suppose, like I am now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, time has moved on. <laughs> but it was wonderful to be there, you know. But my heart ached for my grandfather, you know, because it was, again, it was that thing he'd come. Ice cream was such a luxury for him because he'd come from so little. So he really saw the joy in life, you know, and sharing food. And like, you know, part of what he did with growing in his allotment or shamba was about donating. So there was a Marmagina orphanage. He would give to the orphanage. He would give to medical eye camps. He would share everything. He's just such a good man. Are you Sikh? I'm Sikh, yeah. So that there's a huge element of food in Sikh yeah. religion. So yeah. when you go, I understand it, when you go to the temple, I'm not sure what you call them. Gurdwara. They, they, they serve food. That's yeah, what and they do free. all day. It's free. And you, and you can, just go into the temple and you can eat it, all day. It's incredible. It's all volunteers, but they seem to know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. So I, I could just go in and cook, and yeah. I have done. But, like, it's a wonderful thing because sometimes you see, like, you know, Polish builders or, like, people who have very little. Like, it's treated as well like a food bank. So for people who can't afford. And there is no expectation and it's served beautifully. It's all vegetarian, delicious, cooked mainly by women, you know, so very maternal cooking. And it's it's blessed. And and people eating during the service. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. they just sit and You can just perfect. Yeah. It's just perfect, really. Which is your temple? So I now used to go to the one in Kingsbury. And I'm not a regular, like I'm spiritual. I wouldn't yeah. define myself necessarily as, you know, orthodox Sikh. Yeah. I'm very spiritual. I'm very happy. I'm a church bother. I love churches. I, I go anywhere where I feel, you know, spiritual vibes. Mm. But I used to go to one in Kingsbury. And then now I've moved into Surrey. So South Hall isn't far. And there's some really big... Uh, Gurdwaras in in Southall, but I I'm completely amazed at what the Sikh community do, particularly during lockdown. The amount of meals that the Gurdwaras cooked and you know sent out to people, the volunteer effort was massive. And even now, like there's a charity and there's a Sikh charity, and a bit like Medicine Sans Frontier, wherever there's trouble, they're there. You know, whether it was Syria, they they really and they just go and set up kitchens it's just wonderful and they make it happen like that what was it like being an immigrant family in Kenya like how did was there any ever any tension was it difficult did you find your community I mean now looking back at it there was such divides Mm. you know like you didn't mix like you know the Indians stuck to the Indians the black people how did they all end up there why Kenya of all places I think that there was a lot of um because it was then a British colony so there was a lot of call Mm. for things like railway building construction so they were invited so they were invited so they were like you know posters up saying we need work and and the thing that I really admire about my grandfather is he went to this place. My grandmother joined him seven years later. And she said to me, she was terrified. She had this horrific, you know, ship crossing. And she, she'd she never left her village, let alone, you know, a country. Mm-hmm. So it was Did a, she travel alone? She traveled with my, my father. So he was, okay. you know, seven by the time my grandfather saw him again. And... Um, it was just incredible because they not only did they find home, they learned how to speak Swahili, they, you know, integrated. My grandfather was very good at that, knowing everybody, you know, people from all walks of life. But I don't think generally the community was like that. It felt very divided. And I remember as a kid being quite lonely because I had three older sisters, but they were much older. They were cool teenagers. Mm. And then I was this like five-year-old hanger on. Are you the baby of the family? My brother is. So they kept on going till they got their boy. Uh, (laughs) 
So I just remember where my house was. It was this beautiful house that my grandfather built. There was like this wrought iron gate. And I would look through the wrought iron gate and there'd be children on the other side, but I was never allowed to play with them because they weren't from my community. And there were all these racial divides. And I just remember desperately wanting to play with them and just like kind of hanging out at the wrought iron gate, like trying to talk to them. I do remember one incident, though. My mother had fallen asleep with her emery board. She was always embroidering or crocheting or doing so. She never sat idle. And it was afternoon and she'd fallen asleep. And I had heard the chicken pen that we had at the bottom of the yard. There was a cat in there that had given kittens. And I was like, I want a kitten. So I commanded this little boy, this little daughter, to come and like go with me to get a kitten. How old were you? About five. Okay. And so we kind of made this journey, you know, no one was watching. The nanny who I had, the maid who looked after us had like gone away or whatever. And so we went in and then I just remember walking in, the smell of chickens, not pleasant, but looking at the cat. And before I could even try and grab a kitten, I just heard this little boy screaming. So he tried to steal the eggs and this Hen had basically pecked his face, oh, no. <laughs> and then he literally ran screaming from the pen, oh. never to make that adventure again. Did you get a kitten? No, but my grandfather used to bring kittens for me. Like he used to be really sweet. Like he'd be like, like look what I've got in his like jacket pocket, and there'd be a little kitten in it. He's so. What sweet. was his name? Karam Karam Singh, Karam. and it means righteous deeds. And he lived his life by that. He was. At, by name as he was in nature yeah oh, I love him Ravinda I want to know how you became a TV star I don't Look know if I'm a face, TV Mom. star Come on. besides being absolutely gorgeous oh. yeah I don't know about TV star I don't do that much TV anymore but I started out very much on TV so I have a wonderful friend called Heather Wiley she is a fashion stylist on one of the magazines I worked on and she knew how much I loved cooking because I was like the fashion girl's diet disasters because I'd cook at home and cart all this food in all the time. And um, she called me up and she was quite psychic. She had this like cosmic magical ability. And she said, I've just seen an advert for a show that Gordon Ramsay is doing. And I just have this they're looking for a new TV, female TV star. And I just have a feeling that if you enter, you're going to win. You've got to enter. And I thought, well, you know what? Why not? And I just rec I recorded a thing of myself cooking, sent it in. Next thing, 9,000 women entered. It was like crazy. And then the next thing, they'd narrowed it down to 50 women. And I found myself on set for the F word cooking against all these wonderful women and Angela Hartnett was on the panel you know it was really wonderful mm. and um and I won and it was this really crazy moment where in a way I was in shock but also I felt like I really believe in manifestation and I felt like I'd spent so much of my subconscious time thinking about cooking for people that it didn't feel that shocking to me. I'd been writing a cookery book then, you know, for myself, never thinking I'd get it published. And the day the show aired, I started getting calls from agents saying, you might have a career doing this. Being a journalist, I was very skeptical. I saw eight agents and I was like, no, it's not for me, not for me. And then I went to the last agent and she was, she was the only one who was like, hmm, not sure about you. And I was like, God, I really want her. <laughs> and then, and then she's, and I said to her, to be honest, I'm a writer and, you know, I've been writing this thing. And she said, I must introduce you to one of our agents. And I had my scrappy little manuscript with me for my first book. And she introduced me to Felicity Blunt, my, oh. who's my now agent all these years later. And that's Stanley. Too. Stanley's She's wife. And then yes. sister. Yes, exactly. And I was Felicity's first client. I was her first book. So, yeah. Well, now I need to eat, but I also need to know whether Stanley has ever made you a, an aperitif. Stanley has not made me an aperitif. He's always he's doing it on bloody Instagram, he's, isn't he? Yeah, he's taken me out for a drink. But I was at their wedding, which was amazing. And just lovely to see two really good people. They really are both yeah. incredible human beings come together. And their children and her family 
but Stanley has been incredibly supportive. Can I? Am I allowed to name drop? He did something really amazing yeah. for me drop recently. Drop that name now. So it was my birthday in May, and I decided to take the day off, go to a spa, and turn my phone off. And then I emerged at about five thirty and switched my phone off, and I had all these messages from saying happy birthday. Uh, from yeah, and from Felicity being like, "Why aren't you answering your phone? Pick up." I need a table. I need a table for five people for tomorrow for Paul McCartney. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So thankfully, his PA had already called the restaurant and managed to get a table. So I was like, right, next day, I am obviously have to be in the kitchen and whatever. And, you know, well-known people come in all the time. We kind of let people be and don't go up and bother them and stuff. But, you know, Paul is like, he's a legend, right? And I still was like, I'm just going to cook for him and how wonderful that I've cooked for him. I'm not going, obviously going to go saunter over to the table and be that person. But Stanley had basically been my hype man. So he'd been like, when you get there, ask to meet Ravinda, ask her to order for you, get her to tell you about the restaurant. So I was in the kitchen and Neil, our general manager, comes down and he's like, Sir Paul has asked to see you. And so anyway, went up and he was just lovely and, you know, really, and they're vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So, and we're so vegetable forward at Jaconi. They Mm. really had a wonderful time. And Mary was there and she's recommended lots of people. She's so so nice. Did you you behave better than Lenny when she met Paul I cooked for Paul McCartney. Did you? Yeah, Yeah, you didn't behave like Ravinda, I'm sure you did. No, I didn't because I'm not as gracious and as beautiful, darling. Hang on a minute. I need to ask one more question. (laughs) Okay. Is your husband a Sikh? He's not. I married out. He's also got East African Indian roots. Okay. But he is... Very handsome. He's very handsome and very lovely. We met because at the time we met, him and his brother had set up a beautiful tea company called Lalani & Co. And they do small gardens around the world, really sustainable, like paying people really fairly, like really beautiful thing. And his brother had seen that I was doing this talk and said, this girl looks interesting, we should try and work with her because they were doing a lot of tea tasting menus with people. It's before I had the restaurant. And I was at a friend's restaurant giving this talk and Nadine which, walked... Which restaurant was it? It was the Cinnamon Kitchen. Oh, okay. Vivek oh, yeah. Singh's restaurant, who I love. And so Nadim sauntered in and it was a press night. So there was a lot of journalists there and he thought, I'm not going to be able to. So he was about to leave when the PR saw him and said, did you meet Ravinder? I have to introduce you. And I was actually seeing someone else at the time, actually having my heart broken by someone who wasn't very nice oh, to who me. Who is he? Yes. I have know. a word as I say to my grandchildren. Please do. And anyway, Nadim walked in and I had arranged to meet friends who I hadn't seen for about a year and he just kept talking to me and they kept saying, when's this guy leaving? And I was like, I have no idea. What was your first impression? I just thought he was so, like, silken manners. He was such a gentleman. He was in a beautiful suit. He was so kind, attentive, you know, but I just didn't Easy think- on the eye? Very easy on the yeah. eye. Always helps. Wears a good suit as well. Always wears, like, always looks smart. Yeah, he always looks smart. And lovely old-fashioned manners. Like, he stood when I stood. And, like, you know, things like that. Clever guy. Old-fashioned manners. And then, at, when he finally did leave, my friend Sophie's husband, Raja, turned to me and said, you're going to end up married to that guy. So now, every year on our anniversary, he sends me a message saying, I told you. <laughs> so, yeah. I would do like it. to eat Ravinda's right. food now. Okay. Okay, because I'll cook the scallops should, once we've had the starter. Yeah, should we? How do you want to do it? Should we eat? Should we like, have the bread and the yeah, dips and the pickles? It. Should I grab yeah. them? I hope you guys are hungry. Yes. I wanted to know how easy this bread. Yeah. Explain to the listeners. Uh, it's the saffron. Yeah, shirmal. And um, how easy for people that aren't like you know seasoned bread makers? Is it quite an easy loaf to do? This is so easy. Okay, this that's is what I like to hear. probably one of the easiest breads you can make. And for what you get out of it in that brioche-like cakey yeah. texture. You wouldn't believe how easy it is. It's literally not even, you know, like some bread recipes call for a sourdough starter or they they call for letting your yeast ferment and everything goes in together. Oh, perfect. And then it gets kneaded up and rolled out by hand, not even a rolling pin. You just shape it by hand and then you leave it to proof for half an hour and you bake it. It's easy. Oh, okay. That's my kind of bread. Yeah. Should we just Yeah, do the honours, please. 
if you cut it like through those so you can get like cake like slices so this oh, one like, yeah um, like uh, almost like a cake okay and then you get that full like the full depth of it and then it's black sesame seeds and white sesame seeds on the top right yeah Mmm, delicious. Do you like it? Mmm. Please be my guest, Lenny. Hi. There's such a glut of courgettes at the moment, so this is like the perfect dip for them. Mm, I want to. Oh my god, that's delicious. Mm. Thank you. I want to talk about your sustainability and how kind of environmentally conscious your restaurant is. You got awarded. We're carbon neutral. You're carbon neutral. How many years ago was that that you got? So that was two years, and we're the first independent restaurant to be carbon neutral, basically. It was just really important to both of us because, especially coming from somewhere like Kenya, where you know, you grow up around rural communities who don't even have fridges, like they have the lowest carbon output. And yet they're the ones who are paying for our greedy consumption with climate change. Mm -hmm. And so it was always part of what we wanted to do. And for us, we see the business as this ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And we think that if you have a good restaurant in an area, mm -hmm. you hope that that good spreads. So every single line of our P&L, we look at how can we be doing something good? So where are we buying our produce mm -hmm. from? How can we empower small producers who are looking after our land? Hence our relationship with the farm, Waltham Place. How can we empower our team? How can we empower, you know, give hospitality to our guests that's exceptional? How can we contribute to our neighborhood? That's what it's about for us. Oh my God, that that peach, Mum, have you tried the peach yet? No. Just oh. try the peach. Yeah. And thank... No, she's got it on her oh, plate. she's got it. I just need you... Oh, my God. It's with the the caramelised peanuts on top. Oh, oh, my goodness. Mm. That is so good. And that recipe, by the way, is 15 minutes start to finish. Really? In the book. Are these in the book? Yeah, they're all in the book. How good is that? Delicious. The um, courgette is just amazing. It's a bit like a baba ganoush, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But with courgette. I call it mama ganoush. <laughs> <laughs> but it's perfect right now because there are so many courgettes. If you grow courgettes, you'll know that you just get so many. So it's a perfect thing to do with them. Like heaven. No. Oh. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I wanted to know, you know, you, you adore food, you talk about it so beautifully, you cook it so amazingly. Where are some of the restaurants in London? When you were in Marylebone, like, I don't presume you get to eat out that much, but where are some of your favourite London, or you live in Surrey now? Yeah. Some of your favourite spots? So I think the place I go to again and again is Maison Francois. I really love it. I've never been. Oh, it's, you would love it, Jesse. It? It's um, kind of um, near Fortnum and Mason, so it's okay. St. James's. It's quite extraordinary it's really elegant it's really chic just everything the food tastes so good the service the hospitality is mm. like excellent and it always feels like a really good night out great and what would be your order there because you're a creature of habit yeah oh god I always go for they do flatbreads which are wonderful um so they have a you know different flatbreads all the time so I go for those and then they have a pasta with um, like a sausage. I can't remember what kind of sausage it is. Mortadella or something like that. I can't mm -hmm. remember. 
but it's a really good, really like lovely pasta, really well cooked. They do wonderful salads. I mean, their menu changes as well. Okay. Wonderful side dishes and things. What else? Oh, gougere. They do amazing oh, gougeres that gougere. melt in your mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went recently and they were like, we're out of the gougere, no. gougeres. I nearly how cried. Could, how could they be out of... Because everyone's ordered them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they do truffle chips with mm. so much truffle on them. It's like a forest of truffle, like real generosity. Yeah, we like that. So, okay, that Maison Francois, I'm going there and booking. That sounds amazing. I feel like a bit of a kind of a philistine for not knowing about it. Where else do you love? Okay, so off the beaten track. Yeah. There's a place on Ealing Road in Wembley. Yeah. That's one of my favourite places to go. I've taken so many chefs there and they absolutely lose their shit about it. It's so good. It's called Ashes Africana. Okay. And it's run by um, Gujarati family who are also East African Indian. Right. So it's Indian vegetarian food. But the magic is it's all cooked by elderly ladies. And you look in their kitchen and there are all these like grandmothers cooking. The service is really slow but it doesn't matter because the food is so fresh and so good. They do these things called kachoris which are like a samosa but like pastry but filled with lentils that mm. blow my mind. They're so well made. The pastry is so flaky and delicious. And um, it's a community service because the owner's son said to me recently, you know, we open 365 days a year. I said, even Christmas Day, he said, yeah, because, you know, we're cooking for a lot of elderly men who are like in the area of widowers and they need to eat. And they come here and it's so cheap. You can like go in and eat for like 15 pounds, like a king. And this is on the Ealing Road? Mm Mm-hmm. No, it's it's lovely. It's caramelised, but, you know, I'm sure it will taste great. What's the... Is it pea puree? It's just pea. With cumin. Oh, lovely. That looks great. I'm going to have some more of this bread. What a treat. Delicious. Oh, Ravinda, we haven't even asked. I'm absolutely loving having you on. I'm so thrilled for people to hear your stories and for mum to taste your amazing food. Mm. Last Supper. Mm. Shall we begin? I think I'm going to shock you by saying, like, my starter. Mm. Firstly, actually, I do love, like, messier things. I lo- like yeah. lots of bits to pick on. Dips, bread, salady mm. things, you know, all of that. But actually, most days, I'd be really content just to eat crisps and not eat dinner. I love, I love crisps. crisps. Me too. I can't have them in the house, Lenny. They call out to me. Like, I will eat the whole lot. I absolutely agree with you. And actually, if you buy a small bag of crisps, it's never enough. Two yeah, mouthfuls. Yeah. But why would... And then you look at how many calories are on the side of I the know. small Don't pack. Look. And what I need is half a pack of the big pack. Mm-hmm. Same. Which is your favourite flavour? Salt and vinegar. Yes. Oh, now, which no. salt and vinegar place do you go for? Like, what, what is your choice? Salt okay. and vinegar. So recently, I was in Suffolk for Latitude, and there is a local, I think it's called something, Farm Field or something. Okay. They are literally the best salt and vinegar crisps I've ever eaten because they taste exactly like, you know when you get the right amount of vinegar yeah. on good chips? Yeah. That's what they taste like. They are amazing. Can I offer, and I've offered it in the podcast before, and I'm going to do it again, Yorkshire crisps. Yes, I love. And when they come in the the bloody, what's it called, a tub? Yeah. And I don't know whether it's the tub that's doing it, and like they're laced with all the vinegar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so do you think these Suffolk crisps are better? Yes, I do, actually. I like crisps abroad. Do you Lays. Like Lays. Lays. Yeah. Yeah, I love Lays. I just love crisps. Any I like crisps. oregano crisps. You know, the yeah, ones you get yeah. in Greece. I like I the those. ones that are fried in olive oil. Yes. You know those mm. ones and you get them in a big bag, mm. like half the size of yeah. your body. And Yeah, family pack. Yeah. I mean, that's about just the right amount for me. That is amazing. So you're kind of like a toddler when it comes to yeah. your last supper, which is quite unusual and I didn't think this has been a curveball okay so, so bag of crisps okay if you weren't going to get your, your bag of crisps for your last supper they're in there they're in there what is the main the main I think I'm really simple and I love my mother's cooking mm. like it's you know for me it just she was just the most incredible cook and I think part of the reason for Giacconi is that I feel like all these women who joined this domestic cult and cooked and cleaned, they never got any thanks. And yet they were so talented. All the women I grew up with, they just had a knack for cooking for 50 without breaking a sweat, you know. And they never got to do what I'm doing, the platform that I've got. 
all these like very ordinary women with extraordinary stories and their food was always like you could tell it was the flavor of their hand you know you this person made amazing kebabs this this person made amazing dal and my mother was just good at all of it she really was and so something really simple like a rice a really good dal she makes excellent dal homemade achar which is pickle with lots of ghee that is like my happy place i wanted to know was your mum encouraging of you learning no she was terrifying she's right. exactly what i've become gnashing uh-huh. tongs and teeth she was so fierce in the kitchen there was never any mm. kind of love or instruction it was just like do it again do it again do it again until it's perfect and even now you know years later i think i'd still be terrified to cook i think even now she finds it and i there's a story in the book about her and about her abdication because she's now in her 80s and i think even now she's never told me even now i have the restaurant oh this is really delicious she can't quite bring herself to because her whole identity as a human being she was married at 16 had her first child at 17 her whole she had no education her whole identity is based on being a homemaker mm. and it's all she's had and so for her to feel that she has to abdicate that somehow must be really really hard and i have a lot of empathy for that but i would love her to say this is delicious well jessie never says that to me either jessie yes, you always Thank does you. she always says it's very nice but if i were you i would have added such and such and you know what you should say it's back very yes, nice. chef. <laughs> <laughs> yes chef yes chef but she always has got something she would have added and done differently it's a collaborative you know experience darling it's not collaborative when i do the cooking actually tisha there's the thing okay so we had crisps <laughs> we've had your mother's dal yeah pickles and ghee and rice where are we going to go on this pudding so can i have three yes well one we've already talked about which is this you know moment in time with the chocolate dip ice cream yeah. with my grandfather sat by my side i would love to do that again the second is tiramisu i absolutely it's my favorite pudding and there is one particular place in italy in cortona called trattoria dardano and i've been there many times and when i first went to that area on a holiday i went to that restaurant four times there tiramisu is exactly what it should be it's like a slop on the plate it has no shape or form they like spoon it out of the bowl and it just collapses in on itself just he does it like that oh, yeah. it's But so good mine was an accident i think mine this sounds great but anyway by the third time i'd been to the restaurant he was like and i I just was like crazy about the tiramisu. He kind of got it. So every time I go now, he just brings out the whole bowl, puts it on the table and, and he's like knock yourself, yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> and I always have more than one helping. And then the third is this like really lovely moment. And this is really really kind of a love letter to the people who help us as immigrants find home. And When I came to this country, my first initial impression was horror because it was so cold. I come from this like really tropical backdrop and then it was a grey November in this like flat with no heating, no washing machine, it was hard. And I really tried to understand the traditions and the, you know, of this new nation and I went to this school that had all these like odd traditions like Morris dancing and it was all very weird. And then there was this one tradition which I finally got and it was harvest and what they used to do is you had to bring a cardboard box in decorate it with crepe paper and then it would be filled with tins of this and that and biscuits and then they would assign you an elderly person in your neighborhood to go and give it to and for someone who'd always grown up in an extended family with my grandparents I could not understand why in this country like you it takes they say it takes a village to bring up a child but i also understood that it takes a village to shepherd people through their golden years and so this tradition really appealed to me and i remember going to this house knocking on the door and this woman with a very pink face opened the door and she was like oh i heard you bought me some treasure and her name was mrs lock 
and she lived just down the street from me and I I just didn't understand boundaries at that age so I was literally in her house every other day I would basically pinch things that my mother had bought that I thought she needed more you were doing oh. harvest all year round yeah literally and then I'd turn up with you know shortbread biscuits or you know whatever it was and she got me into the archers she introduced me to, she used to send me to the library to go and buy, uh, get her like large print Danielle Steele or Barbara Bradford Taylor. <laughs> and she told me the story of her life. And she used to give me these really wet, sloppy kisses. And she had a really bristly chin, which I kind of loved. And another friend of mine, Sarit from Honey & Co was like, that sounds like my idea of hell. <laughs> I was like, I loved her. So she introduced me to the thing that she swore kept her alive she ate donuts I'd never had a donut until that they were raspberry donuts and fries Turkish delight which oh, she said so delicious so and together and I actually then years later as a chef invented a donut in her honor and it's a Turkish delight chocolate donut and yeah that was Mrs. Locke Mrs. Grace Locke. Locke yeah she was amazing oh that is such a great story do you want to get dessert going yeah i yeah. definitely do shall i serve up serve up yes please now this is like my heaven because it has condensed milk in it doesn't it it does have and cream milk. it's like a tres leches cake oh thank you um but with faluda which is this incredible barbie pig can you see Oh, very, very on, um, on, trend. on trend, yes. Right? Thank you. So you can see it's wow. kind of mottled. So you get some bits of the cake that are still like brown and spongy and then some that are dyed Barbie pink. And the whole thing with this is Faluda Thank is this you. incredible syrup, a bit like spoons. a rose cordial, oh, right. but it's got other like it's herbs and things in it as well. And it it's like it, Ru'afsa, which is what it is called, translates to soul refresher. And you have it in milk, like a milkshake. <gasps> And it is, it's exactly so that. So it's like the medicinal Nesquik. Yeah, okay, kind of, right, exactly. Fine. And it's a really fond, nostalgic childhood memory for me. So Where can you find it? In all kinds of Indian supermarkets. Indian supermarkets. I mean, we get ours on Amazon and, you know. And this has basil seeds in it. Basil seeds. So in Where a traditional... Where do you find them? Traditional faluda would always have basil seeds okay. in it, but these you can, I often use just chia seeds. It's just something that gives that kind of texture. This is my heaven cake. This is like the Portuguese cake you used to get me for my birthday, mum. Really? Oh, oh my God. God. It's wet, sp wet sponge. Mm. Oh my God, I'm in heaven. This would be like my last supper. Really? I love oh it so much. I'm so happy. Because mm. I really was thinking, what should I make? What should I make? And then I just felt this was a crowd pleaser. But look, you can bake it in these like disposable tins. Take it to a barbecue. Everyone's going to be your best friend. And is this an easy yeah, one? Apart, apart from getting the, the ingredients and once you've got them. So I made the, the sponge last night, which is again, a kind of you basically whiz up in your electric mixer, you whiz up your eggs and your sugar until they're really nice and thick. And then you just add flour and you add rose water, a little, tiny bit of salt, and then that's, and some baking powder. You bake it, you mix together condensed milk, double cream, and milk and the rose syrup. Mm. And you basically pour it over when it's hot, put some, you know, skewer holes mm -hmm. in, pour it over, leave it in the fridge overnight, whipped cream, Basil seeds or chia seeds or chia seeds, I don't never know how you say them. Uh, strawberries, pistachios and rose petals. And that's it, done. I'm really happy. Your kids, you know what, I kind of made it because I thought your kids would appreciate my it. My kids will appreciate it, thank you. Oh my God. It's actually divine. Divine. Oh. She's goddess-like, I'm coming she? again. Can I come again next yeah, week? Yeah, I'm coming again. <laughs> I also week. feel like you should beyond MasterChef being a judge. That's what Aww. I need. I think, I feel like you should be doing more or television. British I don't know. Menu. I know you're very busy <laughs> doing, fighting the good fight, also running a really successful restaurant, making cookbooks. You know, you're doing all of it. Time, I just do. <laughs> eating crisps. Um, but I do think that more people need to hear and see you. And I know they can enjoy your food every night, but like it's... um. Would you like to do more of that? or kind I of... think if it's the right TV. Yeah. Like, I feel like if it's giving a message, mm. telling stories, I'm really interested in telling stories, particularly women's stories, because mm. I think, like I was saying, 
ordinary women have extraordinary stories you've just got to ask mm. the question mm. and then these incredible stories tumble out and i love hearing those stories and i think food is a great connector um you know and when you have someone over a plate of something they will tell you their life story and it's a wonderful thing as you guys have done oh, yeah, so we well but that's kind of what i want to do i want to be able to tell the stories of immigration um different immigrants coming in because i think that's people often ask at jikoni how would you you know describe your food it's not indian so how do you d- sum it up and we say we cook the food of immigrants because it's for those people who have the ache for what they've left behind but then the wonder of their new landscape and what happens when you reconcile those two things and for me it was like you've come to this country you're really precious about holding on to you know everyone immigrants particularly they say you lose all your traditions the way you dress your language all of that the food never goes and you know that with jewish food right look at what claudia roden has done mm-hmm. all those women who've held on to those recipes it's it's integral to us being human you beings think we should I give think. this message to suella braverman that how much immigrants contribute i just like to <laughs> shake her sitting on this table yeah. do you think we've done all right have we drained society i mean mm. you know i think what makes britain great is the immigrants actually mm. you know like look at their stories their resilience what they've brought to the country the power behind you know all the businesses that they've set up the local economies that they've set up mm. all of that and f- yeah for me when i came here it was very much like okay i want to preserve my identity and where i've come <coughs> from but here is also this amazing nation which actually seems so barren when i first got here but now as i'm settling in there are all these influences I'm in. how many you years know, have you been here no i mean when i was a uh, child you, you know when child. i started settling in and i felt that i mean i grew up in a very densely immigrant area and so all of those influences fed into my food and i think you can taste that like yeah. the food is from everywhere yeah. and we celebrate all the similarities we have but also the richness of our differences it's it's a great thing thank you for sharing that thank you for sharing all your stories just people fabulous pleasure. need to go to jacconi people need to go and buy the new book this is your third book isn't it this is my third book yeah well, if all the things we've eaten today oh. are in that book it is such a pleasure to spend time with you when you're you, you so oh, much you're i guess busiest. you did still serve me food i still managed to get that out of you <laughs> even though we spent more time she's the busiest woman i think in london you know jay reno once said to me you're like a jewish woman trapped in an indian body and i was like no i'm punjabi because we are feeders just like you <laughs> thank you for being here my pleasure such an honor to listen to your stories and eat your beautiful food Vindabogle, what a fascinating, inspiring, generous, beautiful person. Just a, a wonderful. She kind of sprinkles this kind of energy over everyone with But her did food, you notice, with the way Jessie, she speaks. When she talks, she smiles nearly all the time. <laughs> And now I've decided I need to smile more. I don't think I smile enough. Beautiful teeth. She smiled. But she just and so considered my veneers in the whole of this. Oh my god. She'd made soft bread because she knew about my veneers from she... listening to the podcast. <laughs> she wanted to challenge my veneers. Thoughtful, brilliant, wonderful Ravinda. I'm so glad that you got to meet her. And I'm so glad that you got to taste her food. She's multifaceted. You know, she's not just a cook. She's a storyteller. She's got a fantastic heritage. She just is wonderful at relationships and and understanding and empathetic all the fabulous things that you want in a friend actually yeah well she's just said please come to the restaurant I'd so maybe you could have a friend I'd in ravinda to. i'd love to comfort and joy ravinda bogle's third book is out now i can attest that the food is divine well that for luda cake as tully calls it a strawberry flood cake the strawberry flood cake for luda that was another level barbie pink oh just the most delicious tasting that's the thing i never even her, knew basil had seen it's so fun and creative i'm going to try that cake because that is my idea of heaven can you just reassure me i know that the scallops were not caramelized they were nice though but they were delicious they were sweet and they were overcooked were they they certainly weren't they were really nice yeah 
in light of Ravinda coming on and telling us stories about her childhood, her family, I would really love to hear from some of you. Um, maybe you've got a grandparent's favourite recipe. recipe. We would love to hear it. Um, we'll read some out this series. Um, it's hello at tablemannerspodcast.com and add a story in there too. I'd love to hear it. It's just so, it's always so fascinating. What a guest for the podcast. Just a we have a lovely time, don't we, yes. Mum? Um, thank you for listening. Thank you to Ravinda. Comfort and Joy is out now. And uh, we will see you next week. Take care. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.